welcome to the Pedagogy Podcast brought to you by the Bristol Institute of Learning and Teaching. Each week we look at a different piece of the pedagogy pie and see how we can inspire exciting new practice at the University of Bristol. We hope you enjoy this slice of teaching and learning engagement. I'm Ashling Tierney and I'm joined this morning by Spencer Frost. Um, this week we're going to look at another piece of reading and see what takeaways we have. So what have you brought in for us to discuss today, Spencer? Um, so I brought with me today um, basically the theory of self-efficacy by Albert Bandura. Um, I, when you asked me to think about something I could, could bring, I was w- did a bit of reflection on, on my own experiences and uh, whether um, innovation is what I do, I don't know, but certainly um, I, I try to be consistent in what I do. And self-efficacy and uh, self-confidence of students, I think, is a, is a really important aspect of, of what we do and, and being effective in, in the classroom, really. Okay, so if you um, had someone who never heard of this paper before, never heard of this work, um, how would you summarise the key messages of the paper? Okay, so I mean, the original paper would be in 1977, and his theory basically says that um, there is a thing called self-efficacy, which is situation-specific self-confidence. Um, it is uh, domain-specific, so someone can have confidence in one domain, for instance, um, English, uh, but not in another maths for instance. Uh, so differentiated from self-confidence, where self-confidence is more of a global um, personality trait, really. Um, and it therefore has a couple of functions. Uh, one is it's motivational. So if someone has uh, a high level of uh, self-efficacy, they're more likely to actually um, engage in, a, in an activity. They won't avoid it. Uh, when they're engaging, they'll be more uh, provide more effort, and they're more likely to be persistent as well if, if uh, you know if problems occur. Um, and then, uh, conversely, related to that, but also is the fact that um, it, it has a, um, a research which show that it has a positive impact on performance. Mm-hmm. It sounds quite common sense, but you know it, it, it certainly provides a, then a, a framework in how we can, for instance, um, generate and facilitate the building of self-efficacy, self-confidence in our students. So he identifies some some approaches which involve um, performance accomplishment, vicarious experience, verbal persuasion and uh, emotional arousal and these are sort of a framework in which we can then you know do some um, engage in some some activities and and, and plan our our practice around these these things okay so um you read this paper um where was the point where you thought oh here's my pedagogic leap where i want to do this in my practice i want to bring it into my practice what drove you to that yeah so a couple of factors really i I think um so i've got a, um, a sports background um, I uh, taught sports initially at further education level um, and then into higher education, uh, sort of leading a sports uh, science degree program. Um, and I'm also, I've, you know, I play sport all my life. Um, I, I, I follow, I still play a little bit now, you know, as I'm getting older. But uh, I play golf now. I did play cricket for 30 years. I was coaching cricket last night um, and football as well. Uh, but I love rugby and, you know, all manner of sports, American sports, er- everything really. So, and the golden elixir, I think, in sport of, of uh, elite performance or just, just effective performance is confidence. You know, you can see um, athletes that have all the physical attributes, technical, tactical, they're at the peak of their game. But if they don't have confidence, then they, they can't deliver that. So that was one thought about how can we be really effective and, and reach that optimal performance. And then another was uh, when I started teaching further education students. So I was teaching uh, level two and level three students. And I was tutoring and teaching them. And I just had this realization that there's not a lot between them in terms of their academic abilities. 
but the level two students just just generally seem to have less confidence in the classroom environment and so you know when you speak to them one-to-one they knew exactly the answers but when they're in that classroom environment they won't potentially uh, try a question they won't put their hand up and if this perpetuates over a period of time it leads to a lower level of academic outcome essentially so th- these two things combined to think okay confidence is really important in performance in the classroom what theories are there about that can uh, you know enable us to to develop confidence in our students and i was familiar with albert bandura through my own undergraduate studies in passing it was one of the things i studied um, and then going back to it thinking okay yeah this actually this resonates with me and it provides a bit of a framework towards how I can then apply it to my um, teaching. So just the final bit on that is this realization, it was probably a a critical mass of experiences come to the point where I realized that actually we need to create the environment for students to um, reach their optimum and perform. And if, if we don't do that, teaching the level two students, if they aren't ready to learn, if the environment isn't ready for them, then it's pointless me wasting my time trying to teach them content because they're not they're not going to engage with it. They're not going to work with it. So, so I think, and I think that applies to higher education. I think that applies to teaching adults. I think we have to get the appropriate environment. And therefore, my my sort of uh, approach is to really think about the students now. Um, Student centred. I know probably to the point now where I've been teaching for a while that I don't even I'm not conscious of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm always putting myself in their shoes. You know, I've got empathy for a student. How are they going to feel in this experience? But also humble enough to know that I don't know all the answers to those questions. And we're going to get it wrong sometimes as well. It's really interesting that you say that this realisation comes to you after a period of, of experience, you know, that it's it's the sum of all your parts in a way that it's it's come together and you can see all those different strands and that reflection that sometimes we don't know where we're going on the journey. And then we get we get to a point where we can reflect and look back and say, aha, I've got this eureka moment and now I can see this person this person's work that I encountered before, how I can apply it in these new contexts. So coming back and looking back at, at authors and and looking back at practice that we might have encountered in the past and applying it anew could could possibly have some value there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you when you were applying the practice, how did that go and what kind of barriers did you encounter? Yeah, so I think, you know, aligned to those sort of three of the um, uh, the sources of, of self-efficacy, if you like, the identifies. In terms of um, performance accomplishment, you know, I would embed that with the use of formative assessment, I, I think, you know, assessment for and, and, and as as learning. And and so, you know, really that, that's the case of active learning, you know, is, is the driver of that, really. Again, that realisation, uh, that, that can come through formative assessment, which is continually uh, included in, in my practice wherever possible, informally formally um and you know there needs to be uh scaffolded appropriately and i think this idea of recognizing that uh we have there's different needs of the students you know if you think about the novice to the expert and and everywhere in between you know the 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 novice is going to need a lot of structure they're going to need some modeling they're going to need you know worked examples in advance um, because they're going to get overloaded otherwise and they won't be able to make progress. And whereas the expert, you know, more likely we can give them some challenges, some real world challenges without much scaffolding because they're, if we give them scaffolding, it's going to overload them. So this idea of really recognising um, how we scaffold appropriately um, in these formative assessments. Um, so you know, formative, I guess, is a, is a real big thing of, of what we do. Um, the vicarious experience, this idea of modelling, so that links into how we set up our formative assessments. But modelling could be, you know, peer um, assessments, peer modelling, where we're observing peers. You know, I was teaching sports coaching, teaching pedagogy, so t- people do micro-teachers, get them to observe each other, those type of things. Um, and also, 
I think the use of video is really useful because you can you can video yourself doing it and watch back and reflect upon it. So I think those things are really uh, useful. Um, and then verbal persuasion, this idea of um, teacher feedback, so how and what feedback we give. That relates to the formative assessments, but teaching all, you know every part of the teaching experience. Are we continually looking, thinking about the student, providing those little little quiet words? As, as Johnny leaves the class, Johnny, that was a really great effort today. That's what we need to say. Those type of things, I think, just... Uh, you know, sort of build up over time, um, as well as the more s formalized and, and structured feedback. Um, and then getting the students to uh, develop their own internal verbal persuasion. So um, through, you know, them reflecting on their own you know, reflection it as a process, you know, or a formal process, journaling, if they want to engage with that. But things like self-talk and, and imagery visualization, these are skills in themselves, but at least thinking about what are they telling themselves about their their ability to perform um, and um, how are they visualizing you know their performance. I mean, I do it when I before I teach a session. I sit, I go through the PowerPoint and I'm visualizing right how that's going to look, where I might even move in the classroom, um, what questions might be thrown at me, what are the curveballs I'm going to have to dodge, and, and how I'm going to manage that. So that would be how I'd I guess manifest it. I think the challenges are sort of structurally when you think about formative assessment time. Is there enough time to do that? do these because the, you know there's time to plan it and time to deliver it and I appreciate with large cohorts as well that can be, be a challenge um, the feedback that's going to come on the back of that how are we going to manage that from a time perspective um, and I think there's there's ways we can do it informally peer assessment can, can manage that um, resources again you know the space to do more active learning if, if we if we want that um, and a, a challenge could be an early career um, teacher who doesn't want to give control over they don't want to see control of the session that can be a, a, you know, a challenge in their head. Their mindset, yeah, letting really. students rule the room, yeah. having a bit of student autonomy can be quite daunting the first time Absolute, you try abs it. Absolutely, because you know, you, you're not controlling the message. You don't know what they're going to throw at you. And that imposter syndrome comes into that as well. And then, uh, I guess, culturally, there's expectations. You know, are students expecting to come to a session just to sit passively and you know, receive the information? Um, and therefore, we need to break that down, perhaps. Um, and do they engage with it? So is a formative assessment, it's not credit bearing, I'm not going to do it. Um, adult learners that might be doing a degree, degree apprenticeship, and it's like, well, I've got to be here from the employer, says it, I'm just going to sit here, do me time, then I'm out the door, and I'm not going to engage with anything. I've, you know, I've worked with colleagues who've had these, these challenges, and I think those, those can really be a, a challenge. And also, when self-efficacy is so low <laughs> that students don't want to engage with the activity, I think that can be a real, real, real challenge. And I think w w ways to get around those is, is just set the bar low. What's, it's, it's like when I encourage people to go to the gym. It's like start training. It's like what, what, what's the lowest the, the, the lowest thing you can do? I could one day I could walk up some stairs. Right, let's do that for a week, and let's do the next thing. So when you think about that in terms of formative assessment and these approaches, it's like what's the one thing that they will engage with? So don't jump in too hard too soon. Yeah. Take it really slow yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. And and would that work really well on a programmatic basis then? If you had you know say a three year degree where you start very easy in that first year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I certainly think programmatically with summative assessment, but formative assessment as well, you know, mapping that out. How does that look? What are these formative assessments? Um, and then, you know, again, thinking about them in an informal way. Um, I think one thing that underpins all of this is this idea of building relationships with your students. I think if you, again, a challenge with large groups, but you can, I think you can build a relationship with a large group in terms of um, their perception of you. As, as someone who's approachable and organised and, and does what they say you're going to do. That's one way of doing it. But certainly if you have a smaller cohort and you can get to know people, when you know exactly what they're, um, where they're at, 
so you know how to appropriately scaffold things because you know what level of challenge we need to provide these individuals. One, you know what motivates them. Is it a you know uh, arm around the shoulder or a kick at the backside or whatever it might be? What what type of activity motivates them? And also, if you've got a relationship with them, they'll you'll get buy-in. So when you try something that's a bit out there, a little bit innovative, a little bit well, this is a bit different, it's a bit challenging. They're more likely to go with it. Um, so and and you know and feel that there's a safe, supportive environment. So I think you know these specific things, and then this underlying thing is building relationships. And for years, I've I've felt that is the when I've gone in and worked with members of staff mentoring, and I've you know I've been called in like read a dare to, there's there's an issue, some student feedback's bad. Can I go and just see what's going on? And you just see immediately in the classroom when there's a breakdown between relationship between the staff and the um, the, the students. Um, and, and I think if that can be addressed from the outset, it allows you to do all these other things, I think. And that might be something that we could look at in terms of uh, the quote-unquote return to normal as we're transitioning um, back into kind of more face-to-face -face teaching, almost exclusively we're doing now at the moment, where there might have been some of those communication breaks or change of engagement levels for our students. Um, so you talked a lot about the various benefits, including the benefits to staff for this, um, and that kind of, you know, building trust and how rewarding that could be as an individual. And it seemed to me the self-efficacy was very much about confidence building, which links then to confidence to engage more with the curriculum, which might help with the well-being side of things, with the meaning making and just as an, you know, a personal reflection, feeling more confident in one's one's ability to take things on and, and engage. Um, how would you articulate those those student benefits from this practice? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's sort of self self fulfilling, self perpetuating, in that there, there's a there's a confidence in the, the knowledge and, and the, the the skills that we're developing, but then the confidence to actually try it and know that actually um, I can I can answer a question <laughs> in front of a class or I can speak in front of a class or whatever it might be, I can do that test, and I think that that j it just builds and, and it is like a virtuous cycle essentially. Mm. Um, I think you know th there's recognition that. Um, formative assessments and, and some of these things are learning is hard it, it's an unpleasant experience in, in some phase, you know because it's challenging it's, it's you know we're doing some beyond what we can already do if we're you know teaching appropriate i guess if we're challenging our students so it's recognizing that but so you know i guess building that um that feeling that that, that environment where the it's a it's a safe space is, is really really important for, for students to to engage with that and again perhaps go back a little bit to my further education days but I dealt with some students has a real, real diverse needs and, and uh, you know things with Asperger's and, and things just just confidence was on the floor you know for no reason just that they've just not had the experiences the positive experiences and, and it's really again going back to stage one what's the first thing you can do like you know when you ask someone a question in the class and they don't want to respond I, I had to like walk out of the class when I asked them a question they're that anxious but then further down the line it was a case of I'd start with a yes no answer and they know the answer I know they know the answer and it they just oh yes you know a contribution and then that that builds from there that they can take confidence and we reflect on that on the back end of it in terms of like a tutorial and things like that uh, so yeah I think it's, it's fundamental really to, to what we're, we're trying to do really I guess okay that's fantastic is there anything else that you feel um, that we should um, take away from this example of practice or is there one big takeaway for you um, I, yeah I, I guess the idea that to being student-centered is 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 so vital that we think about the student's perspective, and I think everybody does. I don't know that everybody does that. I think a lot of people do that, and that's certainly the direction of travel over the, a number of years in terms of what we're doing in education. But I think that's really important. I think just 
removing the barrier that we can't do it in your mind say I, I can't do this we I can't we can't well I think you can let, let, let's let's not try to you know um was it bore the ocean you can't bore the ocean but you know you, you can you, it's, it's not feasible but just start with something small that's a real the first step we need to make and i think this stuff much as i was teaching sports so it's quite active anyway uh practice pedagogy where we are asking people to do some practical a activities i think it applies to all manner of subjects i think that even in you know the stem subjects and mathematics for instance i think there's there's real opportunities to engage in active approaches that that you know build people's confidence in, in what they're trying to do i think it just applies to everybody really that's fantastic thank you so much and i think there's so many takeaways for different people in different stages of their career for people coming in new for people who are looking to try something new in their curriculum and and really something that's going to apply across the board to all of our degree programs and kind of solve a lot of those issues especially for students who you know and we can see it who are lacking self-confidence um who need that kind of like confidence when it comes to engaging with their degree and hopefully building some you know well-being focused meaning making from from their learning so thank you very much spencer for today and goodbye from built